In the spirit of our text for today, O ye salty and bright, shiny-faced family members and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, who is the light of the world. Amen. Jesus' word for us this day from the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel is easy to misinterpret or misunderstand. The reason for this is because by our human nature, we're prone to think of God in terms of a lawgiver, commanding us to do this or we should do that, do not do this, do not do that. And this was reinforced for me just a few weeks ago when I asked a confirmant how it is that he understands the nature of God or God's relationship with us and the world. And he said, well, you shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. Are you beginning to see what's going on here? And so it is very easy to hear Jesus speaking to his disciples and us this day is saying, you ought to be the salt of the earth, or you should be the light of the world. But no, what Jesus is declaring to us this day and those throughout the ages in the Christian church is the reality that you already, you already are the salt of the earth. You already are the light of the world. As my grandmother used to say, you are the definite article, the salt, the light. You're the definite article in God's eyes. And what a cosmic scope is here. You are the light of the world. You have God's word on it, even if you didn't know it until now, even if you once knew it but forgot, even if you have a hard time believing it, the grace that is so filling your lives right now as Christ comes to you in this word is one that we ought not miss. This is your identity as children of God, as we just experienced with God's claiming word for little Jack this morning through the waters of baptism. And so it is to have a little context for our text today. If you just go back a couple verses into chapter 3 of St. Matthew, you hear this word of blessing that comes to Jesus in the River Jordan, you are my beloved son. And then this continuing of Jesus as he moves into ministry, preparing for ministry and being hit by these quid pro quos of the tempter's voice of sin and death, trying to take this blessing away and saying, if you are the Son of God, then. If you are the Son of God, take these rocks and turn them into bread. But Jesus moves through that with the power of God's claiming word for him continuing then to bless us with this same blessing. 
in the early verses of Matthew 5, blessed are you, blessed are you, these beatitude words. It becomes clear then how Jesus first blesses us and then calls us into ministry and mission together before he ever gives us any kind of command. Jesus is here beginning to pass his torch of light on to us, as we just heard in this baptismal liturgy. Let your light so shine before others that this light would give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And because this is true, says Jesus, you won't be able to help but do things that salt and life do, that is, preserve, add flavor, brighten, guide. In some, because God has created us in his image to help each other and care for God's world, we can't help but live into this identity. And this identity, in turn, is what gives us purpose in life. So to say it once more, first, we are blessed by Christ to be a blessing. This is at the very beginning of God's salvation story with Abraham and Sarah. I will bless you to be a blessing, this beginning in Genesis 12. And at the conclusion of St. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 28, where he sends us forth to be disciples, making disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. Now I want you to listen carefully here because there's so much in our culture today that is interloping into the church with its way of understanding God and understanding Christian ethics. The Christian ethic is this, become who you are. The lie that's out there that comes from Aristotle or Eastern teaching like Confucius or the Greek teaching of ethics is become what you should be. No, Christ is teaching us become who you already are. Become who you are, not become what you should be. And there's a world of difference here. The first one is about freedom and being able to live out of the blessing. The second one is a law that kills because we always come up short. Now, I know at times this can be very difficult. Day after day, we see this evidence in others and, to be honest, in ourselves, to recognize that we don't always live up to this declaration of Jesus. As I said, we fall short. We lose our salty flavor, hiding our light, and wonder how in the world this promise of Jesus could possibly be true. We say to ourselves, I'm already tapped out. I've become bland. And quite frankly, I'm feeling burned out and a bit dim myself. And this is exactly, this is exactly why it's so important to point out that when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, 
The you here in the Greek text in verses 13 and 14, if you have your Bibles open here, is in the plural sense. The second person plural, that is to say, we are not alone in this serving as salt and light, but we are a community. That's why it is cast in this plural sense, as Christ's ongoing church. And why it's so important to stay in touch with the life of regular worship and Christian community. It's important to immerse ourselves in a weekly confession and forgiveness of sin. I use this example as the children led us at the 11 o'clock service last week in the confession and forgiveness, and I asked them, what is it that in our homes, in our garages, that we collect each week that gets to be rather heavy? And if it sits there for a long time, it begins to kind of stink to high heaven if we don't push it out to the curb each week. Week two, week three, and we get kind of weak. And they said, yeah, it's garbage, isn't it? I said, so it is with our lives with sin that we need to be in worship and hear this forgiving word for us, confessing our sin and hearing this word of absolution, that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. And then we hear this word of God that says, you are forgiven in Jesus' name. As Luther observes where there's forgiveness of sin, there is life and salvation. At our Wednesday morning Bible study this past week, we shared ways in which God had used us as salt and light in the past couple of weeks, even if it might not seem like a big deal. One woman talked about how she had just walked down the hall from her apartment at Touchmark and introduced herself with a smile and a greeting to a woman that has just moved next door. Another person said that she had spent some time with a dear and precious friend at Sanford's new Ava House hospice. A physician in our group talked about the simple gift of just taking time to listen, which is perhaps the most overlooked simple gift that we can share with one another. Just taking time to listen. It is so simple, yet profoundly important in our age of loneliness. The simple gift of listening. This past Friday, I had the privilege of bringing some comfort food to a matriarch and a patriarch of our congregation or housebound. And I said, Bud, what would you like if you could have anything? He said, fried chicken. So I went to the place that people said is the best. I went to the keg. The keg was closed, probably good. So I went to Hy-Vee, mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and great fellowship. So maybe it doesn't seem these things like a big deal in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes... Such simple expressions of being even a little salt, a little light is exactly what's needed in this tired and darkened world of ours, to let our little light shine. You see, the Christian does not exist for him or herself. 
And if that's the case, that's why and how we lose our saltiness, our light. Even just this morning, I heard two women here in the atrium talking with one another, and one gave the other this big hug, and both of them have recently been widowed. And one said to the other, I needed that. Just a simple hug. And when Jesus is talking about good works in this gospel message, he's not so much talking about the act itself, but what is a sign and symbol, what it points to, and that is pointing beyond to God's glory and God's love through us. Yes, many of these things may seem in and of themselves small, but don't forget, small is what God most often uses to change the world. A little light, a little leaven, a little salt, a little mustard seed. Think of young King David with but one small stone and slingshot bringing down a giant of a problem. Think of the young man who comes to Jesus with but five barley loaves and two fish, and thousands are fed. These little lights, off broken and cracked as they might be, are still used by God's love and his ongoing narrative of salvation. I want to share with you just a, a bit of a free verse poem from one of my favorite Luther Seminary professors who grew up in part of his life on his grandparents' farm outside of Volga, Gerhard Frost. I think he gets at this paradox of something small having a huge effect. Gerhard writes, Of all the facts I daily live with, there's none more comforting than this. I have two rooms, one dark, the other light, and I open the door between them. The dark room becomes lighter without the light one becoming darker. I know this is no big headline, but it's a marvelous footnote, and God comforts me in this. Friends and family of First Lutheran Church, these are indeed exceptionally trying times for many in our culture and in the church for many reasons. And we need salt and we need light. And the amazing thing is that God has already provided it right in and through the very folk who are sitting next to you this day in worship. Tell them that they're loved by God. Tell them. Tell them they're blessed by God. Tell them they're salt and light already. And tell them that God is not done with them yet, that God will continue to bless the world through our little prayers, our little visits, our little listening, our little words, because they're done in Jesus' name. As you do it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you do it to me, says Jesus. And now to conclude, and please listen carefully here. Our role as Christian people, as people of the cross within the world, is precisely what Jesus is saying to us again this day, to be salt and light, yeast and leaven. Our Lord's metaphors for his community of witnesses all are modest ones, a little salt, a little light, a little mustard seed.
The church in the form of Christendom since the time of Constantine has tried to be big and large and powerful in the world's eyes. It thought itself to be the object of God's expansive grace, but it forgot the meaning of our election to worldly responsibility. And so today in our time we're constrained, we are humbled by the Holy Spirit to rediscover the possibilities of littleness. We are to decrease in order that Christ may increase. And we cannot enter this new era without pain. For truly we have been glorious as the Christian church for many centuries in the world's quantifiable ways. And it seems to many of us in our post-Christendom era a humiliation that we are made to reconsider our destiny as Jesus calls us little flocks. But here's the question. Can such a calling be worthy of the servants of the sovereign of the entire universe? Yet if that sovereign be the one who reigns from a cross, can any other calling be thought legitimate? A city set on a hill, a hill called Calvary. Amen.